Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is episode 0048. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. Join us this week as we share a discussion and a rather blunt look at how we are all interconnected, exploring how we are each responsible for our own shit in life and how the baggage we each carry may be purified like the waters of a dirty mountain stream. We can't expect positive results from drinking the same emotional, spiritual, and mentally polluted waters. Taking a bold leap today, we explore a conversation with author and yogi Ulysse Carlson, discussing her latest book, Holy Fuck in the Sacred Water, The Secret Connection to Everything. Hold on, this conversation is definitely not PG-13. As we share this bold discussion about taking out the trash in our lives, on this episode of The Light Inside. Today, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a project that is connecting with others in a super meaningful way. The Borgen Project is fighting for the underdog with their mission to address poverty. As one of the most powerful nations on earth, our leaders in the United States can and should be doing more. The Borgen Project's innovative national campaign is working to make poverty a focus of U.S. foreign policy. Did you know worldwide... 736 million people live in extreme poverty. About half of the world's poor, around 368 million, live in just five countries. In developing regions, one in 10 people live on less than $1.90 a day. That's just $1.90 a day. An estimated 2.5 billion people lack access to improved and safe sanitation. One billion people live without electricity and hundreds of millions more live with unreliable or expensive power. Poverty is the principal cause of global world hunger. As of 2018, 822 million people are struggling with hunger worldwide. That's one in nine people. Over two billion people lack regular access to safe, nutritious, and sufficient food. And 785 million people drink unsafe water or have to travel more than 30 minutes just to get a drink. By focusing on mobilization of people, educating others on the devastating effects of poverty and hunger, and building awareness of the ever-increasing global issue, you can become a force to help bring about the necessary changes. The Borgen Project is an incredible nonprofit organization. In a nutshell, the organization is doing amazing work to fight extreme poverty and hunger. If you'd like to become a powerful agent joining in the fight, visit BorgenProject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N Project.org today to find out how you can take action now in helping to end the global fight on hunger and poverty.
Hello, Arvika. How are you? So, hello, Jeffrey. I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic. It's been some time since we've spoken. Yeah. Was it in October or November? I can't remember. But yeah, It's been about October, I believe. <laughs> It feels like many, many moons. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, that was a time ago. Seems like ages. It does. <laughs> I was just going to say many things has happened since then. Oh, I know. It just watching the worldview right now is just a complete thing of awe and wonder. <laughs> It's really interesting, the meaning of the year also, if you're looking at it numerologically speaking, that the numbers, two and one, what it stands for, and together they're number five. So this is a year of a lot of evolution. Really? I find that interesting. Here in the States, I think it's a year of revolution. Mm. (laughs) So it seems, as we speak right now, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the clock and I just did a quick glance at the news. It's like, yeah, there's a lot about to go down right now. Yep. It's definitely interesting. (laughs) I'm trying to stay somewhat neutral on all that, trying not to get drawn into the complete emotion of it because there is so much of that. It's it's interesting to watch even how people around us are relating to it, how family members are connected to it. And it's like, wow, I'm seeing some things that I had some inklings of that it's like, well, I saw this kind of coming with certain relationships. And then I see some of it that it's like, wow, it, it really does bring out and change a lot in people that have been kind of hidden under the surface. You kind of see the reflection of the person coming out in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. In bad and in good. (laughs) Yeah. And I say reflection because I don't feel that that is necessarily always the truth of the situation or the person coming out, how we react and project a lot of times. Yeah. So that could be a whole nother conversation. I feel. Really? Yeah, we're in a big, big, big divide where everything is coming up uh, in our personalities. And this big divide is really people show all their ugliness. Yeah. And they also yeah. show all their, you know, love and support. So it's like both sides are popping up equally, but there's big arguments and quarrels from the yeah. smallest of levels yeah. to the biggest micro and macro perspective. Yeah, there's always that equal connecting catalyst in the middle. And so often we lose sight of that. It was just working through this week's episode where we were talking through that ideal of equanimity and how that word is even kind of completely out of our vernacular most of the time, or if we've ever been exposed to it. That simpleness of that state of being equal is just two parallels moving together. We look at the equal side and it's two things in unison. It's such a simple concept, yet as human beings, so often can be a great challenge when we look at it, but is it really that hard? Where do we find that sacredness, that space where there's a little bit between, but we still are working in that unison? Yeah. And what is truth? (laughs) And who's truth? (laughs) Yeah. What is truth? That's a good one. That's one of the things I jotted down for our discussion today, because I know that's something we're both vibrating on. It's something that vibrates throughout the book. What is truth? Who's truth? And the very nature of belief can be a whole nother avenue that just kind of either trips us up or propels us forward. Yeah, exactly. I love looking at you list as your vision contributing to a freer, more beautiful, more conscious and loving world for all of us to live in together. You know, to me, that can be such a beautiful mission, such a beautiful statement and such a beautiful truth to try to align and live from. Yes. 
And I think that's the hardest challenge too, because everything that I want to see in the external world, I need to do myself. Every change I want to see out there, I need to embody and live it. I cannot only be in in a mental vision or wishful or magical thinking. I need to embody it, to become it. And from here, I can give out the the energy, the vibration to others. Everything we experience comes from within. How do we project that out? In that, reality to me is all of the truth. We are simply projecting what we think and feel and by and large, some way subconsciously expect back or at least expect the reactionary response to. And that so often becomes the dividing force or the nail in the coffin, so to speak, when that's a pretty dire way to state it, the nail in the coffin that kills us all is what are we inviting back into our own world? Yes. And sometimes it might need the nail in the coffin for somebody to wake up. (laughs) we are essentially dying and living every day we wake up each day with the opportunity for a new rebirth that can be a pretty broad-minded view you know but we not just in each day every reality we experience of every second of our being have that opportunity to evolve toward a new birth to be something different to become something other than what we currently are or just simply remaining where we are yes it's always the choice of the of the free will and also if you're a sensitive uh, or an empath like and what is my reality is this what i'm feeling is this pure mine or is it also from the collective who knows but since i feel it within me it's mm-hmm. mine to handle and mine to navigate through that's a big one because you know we look at the pure mind so often we can tend i feel there's a, a potentiality there. And it's, I'm going to reiterate it over and over till I feel like I'm making this shift for me, stick home. There's that potential that we only see from one mind, only from our mind and our own sense of experience and being. But are we all truly connected? Is that a greater reality? Is that simply the essential reality of everything? Do we lose sight of that because we're so often only looking through our own eyes? Exactly. And I I was having a great talk about meditation uh, with a friend of mine. And meditation only means medi coming to the center, like in the alignment of Mm. the core of who I am. But many people are meditating not to feel. So they are meditating to avoid to feel. So the question is, am I meditating to become into the center of who I am <laughs> so I won't feel yeah. or I will be able to feel everything. Mm. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that description of the meditating from the point of coming to the middle of it. I've not really had that direct vernacular saying that, you know, that is part of the medi of it and finding that alignment. Then also looking at that notion, are we meditating we're trying to medicate yep. instead where we're trying to fix, we're trying to bandage, we're trying to hide, we're covering. Exactly. Rather than the actual healing from it we should be experiencing, we're numbing it down and blinding it. Yeah. That's interesting to look at it from that angle. Yeah. And also meditating can be one way of numbing if you are doing it to avoid the strong feelings that you might feel. So there's a million ways Mm. to numb yourself. Everybody has their own strategy and we can change strategy and we think that we have changed, but we still remain the same and we have the same outcome and the same results because we're just changing strategies. (laughs) And that's a great perspective to look at. 
especially once you do kind of set yourself onto that path of, I feel like I am reaching to try to find this evolution of life, trying to find this becoming. I like to frame it in that way rather than all of these notions of I'm trying to elevate myself, reach a higher level, become better, more, faster, da, da, da. Because that is all projection out from a center and reaching out. That's traveling somewhere rather than trying to align with that truth within. That's fascinating to look at that when you go down that road. It's such an eye-opening experience that even though I am reaching whatever I'm doing to find this path, still can be such a point where even in that path, you lose sight. Yes. No, no, that got off on a tangent. But coming back to that thing in and of itself become... Sometimes it's own addiction, it's own hiding of some other truth. Yes. You have to be really, really bold and courageous to look Mm. through, to look beyond. And um, in one of my books, I'm writing about the, the mature masculine and the mature feminine. And the mature masculine is to really, with the clarity of like a sword, just to cut through all the illusions and the bullshit that, that we are surrounding us with, both externally but also internally, or my own bullshit, <laughs> to just cut through with clarity. Yeah. And with this clarity guided by the heart, the, the mature, the awakened feminine. So it takes a lot of courage and a lot of boldness to see through and to see beyond and to like the situation we have now, what is really going on? Who knows? We are only allowed to see small bits and parts that somebody allows us to see. Mm. So we are... And from whose perspective? Exactly. Exactly. And who is gaining on it? Ultimately, where is the balance of view? Where is the balance of our existence? We talked many times before about feminine, masculine notions of energy just simply being an either or one state or another of our energy and they have to combine and mingle to find that balance that's all finding the center you know we hear that notion of finding the center creating the source for the balance that's sacred space and to me that notion of the sacred space jumps us into our discussion today about your book holy fuck in the sacred water, the secret connections to everything. Yes. We're all looking for connections in everything we do to find that sacred space. So let's jump in from that point because that seems like a great coming together and bringing us to the center of this idea. Thank you. Yeah. How exciting. (laughs) Let's jump right in. (laughs) <laughs> I admit I've been kind of open to the book and I haven't sat down with it yet. I've, I've been completely flooded with a new influx of books and going through all of my time lately am not, you know, I'm shirking my responsibility to myself to dedicate this time and sit down and actually spend reading. So I am guilty yet of not having experienced the full book. I mean, I've dabbled in. Your publisher describes the book as controversial, saying, quote, it will rattle a few cages. It's been described as raw and honest, diving into subjects which have importance to human lives at the time. Amazon heralds it by saying it's divinely channeled and imprinted with sacred codes. Going on to say this book will either have you saying fuck yes or it'll piss you off. Maybe even both. Yes. Looking at this notion of being a real and honest view, rattling cages, how would you describe the book? Yes. Um, I mean, even though that I've written it myself, 
I feel it's such a great book, really. It's so important and it's, it's spot on what's going on today, like in the external realms and how we connect also connecting the dots yes. from our perspective, what we can see and what we can feel and experience in what is going on. And with the perspective of moving from the personal level, me and my co-author uh, sharing our personal stories in how we have gotten this inner wisdom, not only like a mental knowledge, but also like embodied wisdom. Yes. So we share these really vulnerable stories and we also write about taboo topics, uh, ancient wisdom and uh, conspiracy theories. And that's such an interesting relevant angle right now at the time. That's something we can dive in as we unravel here. Yes. What are some of these taboo topics that the books touch upon and some of this ancient sacred wisdom that we're speaking of? So uh, I'm a yogi and I've been studying yoga and holistic disciplines for more than 28 years. Yes. So uh, I come with a lot from the yogic perspective mm. on our bodies, our minds, how everything is connected to the source or God, or whatever you want to call it, it's got different names. Uh, and also my personal experience in cleaning and clearing myself. So I'm aligned with who I am at my soul level, at my core essence. So I'm writing a lot about that and also about the importance of the water, like mm. the water we drink every day. And, uh, you know, we consist of 70% of water in our bodies. And every thought that you have is being transported through this water. <laughs> and if it's a good, good thought, then, you know, it creates a ripple effect in the water. But if, if it's a negative thought or if you're scared of Corona or if you're stressed about work or if you, this also brings ripple effects into your energetic system. So we write a lot about that and we connect the dots with sacred sexuality, which for many people is a taboo topic. Money, mm. uh, money, sex and religion is the things that people are having wars about and big conflicts about. So we are writing about these topics. The Sanskrit word for conspiracy is conspirare and it means to breathe, to breathe with the higher version of myself. So if, if people are throwing that you are a conspiracy theorist, the real meaning, because the word in itself has been hijacked. Yes. Yeah. yes. So the, the, the true meaning is that you are breathing and connected to your higher self. Hmm. That's a good one to throw out there today. How are we connecting to a true meaning? Yes. We look at that idea of the sacred water so often, we're dirtying that water up. We can tend as human beings to have those experiences where we carry baggages. We get that magnetic force within us that attracts not only our own energy, but the energy of the whole entire universe around us towards us. Those experiences that we pick up and carry on in a pattern. We carry in that physically. We carry that in our mental patterning. We carry that in our emotional patterning like a magnet sometimes. And most of the time, you know, we pull that toward us and we lose sight of that. So, uh, and as you say, like water is, you know, such an important element and all the elements that we see in the outer realms, we also have within our bodies. We consist of earth, wind, fire, air, water. But uh, the water is also one of the elements that can really shape shift or shape different shapes and forms all the way from solid as ice or yes. moving and flowing as, you know, like a river or uh, 
also like it in a gas. And this is also our emotions in, in our physical bodies is connected with the element of the water. So for many people, when we have frozen emotions, when we have frozen traumas or stress that we haven't processed, mm. it causes a lot of stagnations and blockages. And we are not even aware of it because it's our subconscious or unconscious mind. So the water element is also within the fascia, the fascia that covers 80% of our muscles. So a rigid, rigid, a stiff body or a body with a lot of aches, I mean, surely it affects all levels mm -hmm. of the energetic system and the water that might not flow as you want to. And also when you want to have relationship or sex or whatever, everything is connected with water and bodily fluids like blood, blood is connected to the water element. So water is also elementary for all life, right? We can survive without food, but it's harder to survive without water. And water is also connecting people, even continents and countries. So the water aspect is so big. Yes. And it goes all the way, you know, from our inner DNAs. We, as you said, we carry memories within our bodies, within our cells that contains water and our DNA. And we can see water elements out in the universe. From that scientific perspective, I know there's, there's a lot of research out there about not only, you know, proper nutrition and health, how much water are we taking in good, clean water? How many of us are drinking your carbonated waters? We're drinking flavored waters. We're drinking all of these soda waters that are full of other additives, preservatives. That's a whole ball game to open up. We're not going to go down a, a road of unraveling that mystery today, but those things influence us. We take it for granted rather than just starting with good clean, pure water. Some people, there's a big dilemma and trauma out there in the world where there's a large portion of our population on this globe that don't have access to clean water, that are drinking from muddied sources or chemically tainted sources, just stagnant sources. Yeah. How often are we looking at that? How often are we looking at that? Is one realm to just earmark today, consider those things. Mm. But also we in the Western countries, we have very stressful lives. And this stress is being transported in our inner water. And then when, when we go to the toilet, it flushes out. And so we are drinking yes. because the water is renewable. It's not like, oh, we get fresh water because we are using the same water over and over and over again. This means that we are drinking other people's medications and we take medications for our stressful lives in, in our Western society to maintain, you know, to maintain, to be productive or effective or to maintain these high goals of the American dream or whatever. And so we, we take a lot of, I don't know, Soloft and Xanax and uh, depression pills and pills for cardiovascular disease, hormone pills. Uh, whatever, and it's just flushed out. Yeah, pill for everything. Yeah, and it's just flushed out. <laughs> and and even though that you are clearing and cleaning the water that we drink from the tap, mm. but all the pills and all the medications they can't be filtered out. So that means that we are continuously drinking polluted water. How are we purifying ourselves? Can we purify yes. ourselves? And we like to try to just cover our head a lot of times to those ideas because it feels beyond us. It feels overwhelming. Some of that is just the programming we're receiving that tells us it is. Yes. 
There's a whole nother show that that's a place I'm sitting at is how often do we make these excuses in yes. life that say it's bigger than me and I can't handle it. I haven't had my coffee in the morning and I can't think a deep thought. That's some of the bullshit that we keep feeding ourselves. That's some of the patterning that we keep accepting that we've been told over and over. And we hear it and everybody else says it. So we jump on the f- yeah. We got the word fuck in the title on the fucking bandwagon. We might as well say it today. <laughs> I can't avoid it in today's show because that's the title of the fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> there's a liberation in that. Not to yeah, take on any blatant yeah. energy with it, but just there's a liberation to say that if you own that word and deject all of the patternings we've been taught about it can just be a liberation. Yeah. Say it out loud. It's another word and the meaning is all in what you put behind it. Exactly. It's a word of many meaning. Like you can be fucking gorgeous and fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it can be a good fuck, a lousy fuck. We can be fucked up. Uh, we, we have fucked up programs. <laughs> uh, so so there's many meaning to it. And that's also... It's a minim- word of many uses. We just watched the Netflix program last weekend, The History of Swearing. And there's an entire fucking show. <laughs> dedicated to the word and I'm having fun with this now because I'm like yeah I see an opportunity here I can just liberate myself from it and say yeah I'm going to say the word (laughs) and so we wanted to use a strong title also because we are talking about strong subjects and the sacred sexuality we have lost the sacredness and it has basically become just a fuck for many people. So the sacredness needs to be reclaimed. Mm, the sacredness, and the sacredness yeah. lies within each and one of us. But we are so polluted from our thoughts, our stressful lives, our medications, our lifestyles, basically, how we live, how we eat, how we think. So we are so polluted. And now, during these times, people are so stressed. People are so worried and anxious. And there's this like we talk this big divide and all of this is being transported in our water and it makes us the water the frozen emotions that we don't express becomes rigid and we contract mm-hmm. this also means that we we don't have the accessibility to source or to life force or to our sacred sexuality in the way that we could have and so we also need to reclaim the sacredness because even, you know, there's so much porn and there's so many hard things going on out there. And young people that look at, I don't know, whatever, Netflix movie or Pornhub or whatever. Mm. It is so distorted. The view upon the sexuality, the view upon the sacredness is so distorted. And it causes even more distortions and pollutions of our inner and outer water. So we need to reclaim it and we need to cleanse it out. And it all starts with me. Yeah. There again, how many of those patterns in our fuse are accepted societal knowledge of it? Are we just mirroring, projecting, and replicating? Where do we return to that sacred truth? How do we evaluate what the real core purposes and meanings behind it are? Yes. There's so many words and so many things that have been hijacked. Yes. So also to become aware of the word's true meaning, like as I said, the conspiracy, it's actually a good thing to be breathing together with the higher self. But the word has been hijacked and it's now used as uh, belittling someone or trying to make somebody smaller or whatever. 
So there's so many words that are being hijacked and many people are, when they have intimacy together, maybe a lot of people are just fucking because they are not connected. They're not connected to their heart. They are not connected to the sacredness and to the intimacy. So this also creates even more distortion and, and you know, the view upon it. So it, it is in so many layers and so many levels that we need to take radical responsibility, to go inwards, to look at oneself, my own beliefs, my own way of life. How can I contribute either to the pollution that we see or to clearing up the pollution? What do I do? What actions do I do? And from what space it's been in me, what intention do I have? You know, we look at that whole process of two people being intimate. Source purpose is to create and to give life. Are we creating? Are we doing it with the, the source goal of continuing our creation as a species? Are we doing it to create a positive energy between two people and sharing that energy, as you said, throughout this whole universe becomes another source of creating those positive life-affirming, life-giving energy. Yes. And since many of us are so disconnected to our hearts, we are so much within our heads, thinking too much, analyzing, being problem solvers. This means that the energy is being drawn from the body up in the head and there's a disconnection, like a divide, yes, a gap. And this is very hurtful both for the man and for the woman if they are having intercourse or being intimate because every, I mean, this is really, this might sound really horrible. And if you think about it, it really is. Every man is entering into a woman and leaves his imprint there. So if you come from a disconnected space and if you're stressed, if you're worried, the, the masculine are emptying their energy from their lingams, pillar of lights, yes. into our hmm. yonis, our vaginas. And they're stored here until we consciously decide to remove it. Yeah, when we look at that from how a large majority of the male population acts, large portion, and this is trying to be aligned from an observational objective view, when you see it, you can witness how there's a large portion of the male population that are constantly, in every action they do, spewing yes. an imbalanced negative energy into the world. And we all have it, regardless if I'm in a female body or in a masculine body, because we all have the, the qualities, the energetic qualities of yin and yang. Yes. So this is also this mass awakening that, that we see that, that is going on around us is also, again, to reconnect, to merge the mature masculine with the mature feminine into the sacred union and the holy fuck. That's what we call the holy fuck. That's basically the sacred union. So it is an inner job. So I can balance my masculine and my feminine and merging. So also, if you come back that, that you as a man, you live in a male body mm. and many men, they use this like sex as a stress relief. They're stressed and then they have sex and then they feel relieved. The thing is, if they are having sex when they're stressed, then they're dumping their stress into the yoni, into the vagina of the woman. And women, we are totally different. Women cannot have sex if they're not relaxed. So we come from different space also if we're looking into being intimate. So we need to be relaxed in order to open up 
to let men in, coming in. So um, again, it's a huge responsibility of the intention. What space in me is entering you and what space in me is projecting outwards to the outer realms. I'm going to fall back again on that notion of equanimity because we have to even be mindful and aware of our embodiment of the thought. I'm going to speak to your book also. That in our very nature is equanimity. Equanimity broken down in its simplest essence is equal mind. We are working with an equal mind awareness of how everything is in balance and harmony. And if we disturb that, we disturb the very sacred nature of not only our being, but all being. Yes. And we all have it, regardless if I'm in a female body or in a masculine body, because we all have the the qualities, the energetic qualities of yin and yang. So this is also this mass awakening that that we see that, that is going on around us is also, again, to reconnect, to merge the mature masculine with the mature feminine into the sacred union and the holy fuck. That's what we call the holy fuck. That's basically the sacred union. So it is an inner job. So I can balance my masculine and my feminine and merging. So also if you come back that that you as a man, you live in a male body. Yes. And many men, they use this like sex as a stress relief. They're stressed and then they have sex and then they feel relieved. The thing is, if they are having sex when they're stressed, then they're dumping their stress into the yoni, into the vagina of the woman. And women, we are totally different. Women cannot have sex if they're not relaxed. So we come from different space also if we're looking into being intimate. So we need to be relaxed in the order to open up to let men coming in. So um, again, it's a huge responsibility of the intention. What space in me is entering you and what space in me is projecting outwards to the outer Mm. realms. We are one and the same. And the energetic flow, it's always like the yin and yang qualities. uh, And it's always the balance because we are, as you're saying, Jeffrey, we are both the receiver and the giver at the same time. Yes. So we are both receiving and giving. And if I give out from a contracted space, a polluted space, if I give from an unconscious space, this brings out to the outer realms and to the amplified field. Because each thought, each action, each intention, each human being Mm -hmm. is contributing either to the divide or to love or to both. Yeah, I have to interject at that point that therein to me lies another patterning because we always say we have to see the whole of me to see things rather than trying to shift some of our perspective framing that we have to be in alignment with the whole of everything. And I know that's the goal and aim of the book. How do we start to mirror that in a way that we realign our frame of reference to it? How do we start to say that I am you and you are me, one in the same, living with a equal mind, an equal state of being. Yes. And this is also what we write about in the book, that as we've been talking about a lot of words, a lot of things have been hijacked. <laughs> and we know that everybody's from source, right? 
and source. Uh, it doesn't say that it's right or wrong, good or bad. Everything is just opportunities or limitless possibilities from source. And we all have the whole spectra. We all have shadows, darkness. We all have not so good qualities. Uh, and we all have the light, the love. So basically, it comes back to that we have two basic feelings. It is love and it's fear. And we have been living in, in societies that have been based on fear, fear-based societies, lack, fear, scarcity. These are the things that we have been programmed with from a very, very long time. And this time that we are in now, it's also about awakening to see beyond the illusions that we are being thrown at. You know, you have to do this, you have to do this, you know, whatever the media wants us to see. So we have to, again, with the mature masculine, be able to look through, to penetrate the illusions. And basically what it means is that we are each and one of us responsible for mm. seeing, acknowledging, witnessing and transforming our inner darkness. Mm. The mm. darkness that I see out there is darkness that I possess myself. So I need to dare to see it first because I cannot change anything if I'm unaware of it. So becoming aware is the first step. So I have to become aware of my own shadows, my own darkness, the, the yin and the yang qualities. Uh, I have to embrace it. I have to love it, you know, not criticize it or judge it or diminish it. I just have to embrace all the ugliness that there is. And then it's transformed. So this is also what we write about in the book. We write about the distorted numbers of 666, yes. the distorted numbers of the beast and the real meaning behind it. So it's also, again, to become mindful of the words that we use, the intention that we have, and again, to see the whole of me, not only to project just this side. So this is also what we're writing about in this book. Mm. We are sharing really vulnerable stories when we are transforming our inner darkness. Yeah, you know, that idea of the beauty and the beast. Where do we find that beauty and the beast? How do we grab that beast, that bull by the horns to find the real truth, the sacred truth in all of our being? Where do we turn to move past a theory, which is just simply a projected understanding or an unrevealed awareness to truly conspire and inspire together to find that equanimity. Yes. And that's what we call the holy fuck. That's the merge, the merge of everything, the merge of the yin and yang to make it whole because one cannot exist without the other. One quality cannot exist without the other. So there are complementing and needing each other and they are together becoming whole the feminine the masculine day and night the moon and the sun all these polarities love and fear again so for me to be in my light <laughs> to be in my potential to be aligned and meditating or aligned or centered that means that i have to acknowledge my darkness my ugliness my shadows whatever you want to call it and as long as i have all these strategies work a lot, taking medications, doing drugs, refusing to turn inwards and to deal with myself. So the longer I have these unprocessed shadows within me, then how can I be in my light? Because the more I transform of the darkness, the more I can be in my light. And whatever that we see that is going on also now externally is also mirrored from the perception that I have 
And we see it all the time. So basically, I don't think that people are, not all people are, you know, evil. There are evilness as well. But it's just that it's this immaturity in, in looking and acknowledging a one-armed bullshit, really, one's, one-armed shadow. And we have to ascend and transcend through it to becoming the better version of ourselves, to becoming even more whole. Because if, if this is unbalanced, the yin and the yang is unbalanced, the beauty and the beast is unbalanced, love and fear, and I'm still, you know, living in a world where there's scarcity and lack, and I'm, I'm really scared of this and that, then how can I give this? So my truth is that we cannot do this shift if it's not embodied. I cannot do it only in my mind by trying another solution or trying another action. Or So it needs to be embodied. Basically, it is, for me, my truth is that if I have a lot of fear, then I have to be in the feeling of being fear. I have to feel the, the fear within my body, how it makes me feel. I have to observe my breath. I have to stay in it long enough so it can transform um, depending on what kind of trauma or stress that has caused this particular fear. And we all have them. Yes. And we are all being manipulated with fear. And we have all been ruled by fear for thousands of years. We create our own fear. Nine times out of ten, we're creating our own perception of the fear. Yeah, but we are also inheriting other people's fears. Mm-hmm. So it's also within yes. our DNA, again, within the water quality, inherited fears in our subconscious mind that we have no clue that it's even there. Ultimately, we just all have to own our own portion of the shit and filter yes. the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, don't take a shit in somebody else's water, plain and simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna be blunt about it today. We're rattling the cage. Don't simply take a shit in somebody else's water. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is uh the metaphor for every thought that you're having, every word you choose to say, consciously or unconsciously, every action, everything. Yes. Yes. So it's really about what is going on, what is my truth, and to navigate through it and to really, really, really be honest and to be bold again, to look into my own shit, to start to transform my shit into, how do you say when you use the shit to, to make the crops um, grow manure so use your shit so it can become manure (laughs) so other things can grow and we are writing about it in the book so i have my way to explain and to inspire people yeah let's hear how that unfolds in the book from your perspective well uh, (laughs) okay so i have (laughs) access to my water in so many ways like even now when I'm talking about it, I can feel my water is moving within me like soft waves. And if I really, if I really let it go, I can just sit here and have fontaine orgasms without doing anything. Yes. So for me, that is one way <laughs> of cleansing and purifying my inner water, just to let it flow and to let it go. And again, water is also combined and connected with emotions. So every time that I'm sad, every time that I'm angry, I am with that emotion and just let it flush through me. But I really and truly feel that this might sound corny, but this is my my truth and my experience. 
that my water, when I turn it on, mm-hmm. it's very healing and very transforming. Not only for myself, I feel it's also transforming emotions and stress for the collective. That's mm. powerful medicine. <laughs> so I'm revealing, yeah. So I'm revealing here uh, a couple of sessions where I, where I, um, yeah talk about the water and let it flow and how I, mm. through the water also, because it's in our DNA, it reactivates dormant codes within each and one of us. We have so many dormant codes within our DNA. So I've reclaimed my the essence of the mermaid and uh, other mm. energies that uh, I have experienced that I'm writing about in the book. We're also writing about different timelines to uh, like if, I don't know how it was in your country, but here I'm from Sweden. So in Sweden, the Me Too campaign was really big, really big. Yeah. I don't know anybody who hasn't been polluted by sexual harassment. Yes. Yes, I've experienced interactions with so many individuals throughout this program over the last year that have relayed their contact with it, their experience, their trauma with it, their whole emotional Yes. Journey of it. Uh, and right now I'm looking at a whole country that's just taking a major yes. fucking dump on itself right now. This is really, really, really sad. And also if you combine it with the perspective as me as a yogi, we also believe that the energy never dies. We're dirtying the water up. So everything that your ancestors have been through, we all have been perpetrators. We all have been victims in previous lifetimes because energy never dies. Energy just transforms into different shapes and forms. So everything that that is you, Jeffrey, is you mm. are the result of, you know, ancestors yes. way back mm. from your mother's side, from your father's side. So there's like thousands of people, thousands, thousands of people behind each person. And every trauma, every sexual harassment, yes. every war, everything that people throughout humanity has been through is stored within our DNAs. Mm. Just, you know, just suck on that for a while. Mm. Not, not just any specific group, not just your own family. We all we are connected. share that throughout everything. That energy is freely floating through every fabric of our universe. I don't know how many times I can have to say this before it starts to sink in for people, but I'm going to continue to say it. Every fabric of our universe is your fabric and my fabric. Yes, and that's what the yoga and like quantum physics is talking about entanglement, yeah. that we are all entangled. <laughs> We're all entangled one way or the other. Don't tie our fabric in a knot. It's that simple. <laughs> Let's go back to elementary, Johnny. Don't tie his fabric in a knot, okay? Yeah. And make sure you're not tying your fabric in a knot and don't tie anyone else's fabric in a knot. And don't shit in somebody else's water, yeah. And don't shit in somebody else's water because you're just dirty in your own water. Yeah, so there are lots, lots of things to face and to transform and it really mm. take, you have to have the, um, the strength and the boldness and the curiosity to do this. But you can also change timelines. That's also one way of purifying. Like we are giving example of it on, in the book as well. So there's many ways to purify your thinking process and everything that you have stored but you have to be willing to do the work because nobody can do it for you what do you believe what do we all believe what is a truth or the truth what truth are we creating you know it's all a power of our mind 
how we create that, and then how we act upon it, how we emotionally respond to it. Where do we form that cognition? Cognition being the very process of the mind. Where do we allow the dirt of a biased or an unfounded, unexamined, unaware, unembodied truth to come in? Where do we allow that static, that dissonance to distort the view? Yes. To keep us from deeply rooted throughout our human experience. And we are writing about this also in the whole fucking circle water, the secret connections to everything. Yes. Also, yes. the way we see it, combining everything that I've been talking about, connecting the dots to what is going on today. Because when we wrote the book, we, we, yes. we wrote it, it, it was published in July or August 2020. So we were writing about also events that took place spring 2020, but we still see it. We are still in the midst of it. So we are writing about the things, our truths and the way we perceive yeah. it as an alternative truth because we are not being shown by the mainstream media. We are being shown bits and pieces here and now. And, and the only thing what each and one of us can do is like, is this resonating to me? Is this my truth or is this somebody else's truth? What is my truth? What is resonating within me? Yeah. Yeah. Because we are always receiving other people's truths. You know, in school, we are learned to receive other people's truths. And through society, we are groomed and programmed to other people's truths. So really, what, what is the truth? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's like how many billions of people are there on the planet and we all have different truths, right? The greatest truth to me is that we all think, feel, and experience differently. And if you do not align with that and release your own attachment to that reality, you aren't moving into an awareness that that is a universal truth. You know, to me, it's looking at that classic fish story. We hear about that classic fish tale of, you know, the fisherman that goes fishing, how big was the fish? And you could have 20 people in the group and every time somebody talks about that fish, or any story, any event, any occurrence, there's a different view of what the reality was. No two people will ever have the same account of that event, no matter what it is. Exactly. Yet, yes. we all have to follow the truth that we are given. The truth that are given or forced upon us, they are shaping our realities. Yes. Right. So what is my reality? What is my perception of reality? What is my truth? And how can I use my voice? Like we have been writing this book hmm. to reach out to people that there are other truths. Yeah, we're often prone to experience our subconscious programming. Yes. It wants us to perceive what we think we know. Exactly. Generational habit and patterning creates our mode of perception. What was our past experience yes. is the ultimate lie because that is not what we are present with now currently experiencing. Yes, and we are also looking in the wrong places. Like we are looking out here for happiness. Yes. I'm looking yes. for, you know, the perfect mates. I'm looking for the perfect car. I'm looking for a new renovated kitchen. I'm looking for new boobs. I'm looking for whatever out here. <laughs> we are looking for the wrong things and we're looking in the wrong places. And the answer is, you know, you're never going to find happiness here. You're going to find happiness here. But maybe the happiness is... Mm a frozen emotion stored under layers and layers of contractions, fears, worries, anxieties, 
frozen emotions of all sorts. We don't know. There's so many ways we can look at thinking how those states are created and programmed in us, how we are taught to see by our environmental influences more than we actually see the sights and experience what we behold. Yes, and this also causes us to believe other truths to be more real than what we feel ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. I know I was a very sensitive girl when I was young, and yes. but I, so I could feel things. I could feel a lot of things. But I was told, no, this is not the way. And so this is the truth and this is the reality. And so this is it. Mm. And so there was a big divide, a big gap between what I felt, saw and experienced and what I was presented to. And this caused me to start doubting myself. I started to doubt myself, like that I was capable enough. I started to doubt what I felt. So I needed to suppress what I felt because it was appropriate for, you know, my surroundings. This programming that we are receiving 24, you know, with our phones and everything has to be quick fix. People like quick fix and, you know, (laughs) quick. uh, And we think that we, we need to do things fast and we need to be productive. This is just illusions. This is just bullshit. Because bigger, better, more. We always get fed that notion and call it growth. We always call that moving to some higher state. How often does that become a relatable truth for any of us? Yes. And we can have these Mm. sensations and feelings of inner emptiness, inner whole. So we are looking out there for something or somebody to fill our inner whole. But the thing is that we are whole all the time, whole and holy, but we have forgotten about it. It's clouded. And so often what happens? We end up Fucked. <laughs> yes. Fucked. Big time fucked. Somebody filled that space with the wrong substance. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry I had to jump right in the water today. <laughs> Please do. Please do. And that's uh, so basically, we are not fucked, but our programs are fucked. Yep. Yeah. They so can be. Where can our listeners go to connect with you and find out more about the book? So the book is on Amazon. And uh, if you want to connect with me, I do different kinds of Mm -hmm. soul readings and healing sessions. And of course, yoga consultations. You find me at ulliskalsson.com. And I'm going to say it to you because I know my name is difficult for English people, (laughs) English speaking people. So it's U-L-L-I-S-K-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. Thank you so much. <laughs> and there again, it's, it's another example of we become biased by the environments we live in, what we're comfortable with, what reality we choose to accept. So that's another great example of that. As we have these abilities to interact throughout Zoom, throughout some of these online ways of being connected with life. I love that we get exposed to so many different new experiences now. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's also a gift. Yes. But uh, every gift or every challenge to come with its duality, its polarity, because this is, you know, life is built upon polarities because we cannot be only light. We are light, but we also have to experience some things because 
that's, I mean, the human experience. So the polarities are always there. It, it can never be daytime in California all the time because obviously the sun needs to shine here in Sweden as well. <laughs> so the polarities are needed and it comes with different energetic qualities. And um, mm. yeah, it's interesting. And it, it me, because I don't think in English. So first I have to think in Swedish and translate it into English. And I never know how it's going to come out. So, um, and it's always different. Yes. Yeah. That's a whole nother duality to look at why there is such a capitulation there to that notion globally. I'm just going to dip the pole in the water today and let it set. Catch what you want on that pole. Make the fish story what you want of that. And clear the water. And leave it go. Because it's not for me to make the truth for everybody else. Find your own truth in that statement. Where can we go? We mentioned that. Please reach out and connect. Pick up the book, Holy Fucking the Sacred Water, with an open awareness of potentially purifying your waters. Yes. And while you're reading the book, it's reactivating your inner dormant codes. So whatever your experience when you're reading the book, it's perfectly for you. Well, I thank you, Yuli, so much for sharing this with us today. This has been such a mind-expanding conversation for me today. I can feel that power and that energy. I can feel your healing waters today. So thank you. I'm so grateful for sharing that with us today. And thank you, Jeffrey, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here and have these heartfelt conversations with you. And so thank you. I'm grateful. And thank you for listening. Likewise. Namaste. The light in me acknowledges the light in you. When we are aligned at our core, we come into awareness of our central state of being. Understanding our emotions connects us, preventing us from avoiding how we feel in relationship to our experiences. When we do, we find out our true center, the source of our being. Avoiding strong feelings often numbs us from creating a strong strategy to remain balanced and in harmony, boldly and courageously looking at who and what we are, how we show up in the world around us, giving us the clarity to cut through all the illusions which create limitations and false beliefs in our lives empowering us to reach the higher version of ourselves. Now, Ulysses and I have talked about a lot today, but we want to know, what insights did we share that are inspiring you to reach for your higher version of yourself? Visit us at social media and tag us at The Light Inside Podcast and share with us what you found meaningful in today's show. You can also visit us on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review sharing with others how we have inspired you. We're thankful and grateful for you, our valued listener, for tuning in today. Joining us next week is psychic medium Dean McMurray for episode 0050, where we'll be sharing this spiritually intriguing conversation, exploring how opening to our psychic abilities can allow us to challenge our inner voice. Coming up next week on The Light Inside.